definitely a moral and spiritual collapse. And uh, I, I just don't, I don't know where uh, that we'll head next, but I know one thing, the church is in good hands. I want to talk to you tonight about the danger of our day. The danger of our day and try to help you to understand it's not time to be playing church. It's not time to allow yourself to even get toward the fringes, much less stay on the fringes. The Lord is fixing to come. And we'd be the most foolish people in the world to have lived all this life and then right at the end lose our soul. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 6, starting at verse 9. And I'm going to be reading quite a lengthy, more than I normally do, but it, it would be necessary to give you the picture of what I want to talk about. Jeremiah 6 and 9, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, They shall thoroughly glean the remnant of Israel as a vine. Turn back thine hand as a grape gather into the baskets. To whom shall I speak? Now the Lord is telling, speaking here about the plight of Israel because they have turned from God. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ear is uncircumcised, and they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. Are we seeing that today? Therefore, I am full of the fury of the Lord. I am weary with holding in. I will pour it out upon the children abroad and upon the assembly of young men together. For even the husband with the wife shall be taken, the aged with him that is full of days. And their day and their houses shall be turned unto others with their fields and wives together. For I will stretch out my hand upon the inhabitants of the land, saith the Lord. For from the least of them, even unto the greatest of them, every one is given to covetousness. And from the prophet, even unto the priest, every one dealeth falsely. They have healed also the hurt of the daughters of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they, were they ashamed when they had com committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore, <clears throat> uh, they shall fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. Quite a bleak picture. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths 
where the good way and walk therein. It's not enough to seek it if you're not going to walk in it. And you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. And I set watchmen over you, saying, hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not hearken. Therefore, hear, ye nations, and know, O congregation, what is among them. Hear, O earth, behold, I will bring evil upon this people, even the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not hearkened unto my words, nor to my law, but rejected it. Let's pray. God, we thank you now for your word. Help us tonight, Jesus, to get a hold to the time frame that we're in. God, let your people wake up to the fact that you're fixing to come after a church. God, tonight, renew within us the desire to get a hold to your will for each of our lives. God, I'm asking you now to anoint our minds that we can hear our ears that we can hear and our heart that we can respond. We'll give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. <clears throat> praise God. If you'll promise to not go to sleep on me and help me, I'll let you be seated. Praise God. The danger of our day. As I've already said, uh, we are in perilous times. What was brought about that caused this country to become a great nation is being challenged and changed by unscrupulous people and unscrupulous movements. Having no more, the word unscrupulous means having no moral principles. Need I say more? Unscrupulous men, ungodly men, removing from our heritage what we as Americans grew up with and learned to love, but I'm afraid some of us took it for granted. Ungodly men have removed some of these landmarks. As many as they can, the guidelines that's been set for moral living. It hasn't been all that long since I was a young boy in the 50s and 60s. We didn't even have a lock on our door. Every church in town, none of them were locked. There were no, you didn't hear of home burglaries. I don't ever remember in my growing up hearing of a murder. I had no idea what drugs was. When I joined the Marine Corps, I got a rude awakening quickly as to what the drug world was all about and what living was all about. 
I heard words that had never entered my ears before. But today, with all of that, we're living in a different world. And with that goes, we're living in a different church world. Things are happening so fast, so subtle, that some of our rights, even in the church, are gone. And we don't notice it until it's too late to reverse them. And once it's gone, it's lost forever. I was reading recently, I, I'm really not a, a history buff, but I heard that the downfall and this decline that we're struggling with in our country today started way back in Roosevelt's day. When America was supposed to be great and strong, it didn't start out long, loud, nor strong, but it started out gradually. Just a little bit started happening. And, uh, uh, in the last 20 to 30 years, so many things have happened so fast. And the sad part about it is even good church people said, well, so what? What can we do about it? Judges 16 and 20, and she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I'll go out as at other, at other times before, and I'll shake myself. And he wished not that the Lord was departed from him. He just thought that he could go to church like he always had. Go through the motions of clapping our hands and worshiping. I enjoy seeing people get happy and excited. But that's not what living for God's all about. We've been going through a, a, a series or a phase, whatever would be the proper term, we're moving into a new dimension in our home church and uh, things are happening that I've longed to see happen for years. <clears throat> and because it's happening there, there's something burning in my spirit tonight to try to help it catch on wherever we go. The song service will start. I think if I remember right, at least the last three services and maybe further back than that because we're not there all the time. But just a, maybe just a course is started and the church just uh, uh, rises to their feet in worship. And sometimes for the next 45 minutes to an hour, uh, they've come around the altar. People have prayed through. Backsliders have come back to God. And uh, those that have been weak have been renewed. It's, it's exciting to see someone come around the altar that you know is struggling 
and a dozen young people gather around them immediately and they pray with them until they break through. We're living so far below our privileges until uh, we forgot what it was like to just have apostolic church on a regular basis. Now, I'm not here tonight to put you down or to put you on a guilt trip, but I am here to encourage you that there's another dimension that the church needs to be coming into in this end time. Samson just thought, well, it's just Wednesday night. It's just another Bible study. It's just another Sunday morning service. It's just another Sunday night, and if, if I don't feel good and I can find an excuse to not go, uh, then uh, I, I, I'm not going. But uh, the Scripture still is in my Bible, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And so much more so as that day approaches. Praise God. If we really feel like the Lord is fixing to come, I, I'm going to try tonight to stir somebody up to reality. He wished not. He did not notice until the enemy was upon him. And when he shook himself and they walked in the room, he realized it's too late. It's too late. We've waited too long. Now, I've talked a little bit about the natural world and the country that we're living in, but and that's really important, but I want to talk for the next little while about our spiritual world, our spiritual country, our church, the place that you come to, you say to go to heaven. The place that we come to and we say, I'm coming, that my pastor can feed me tonight. But when he feeds me, do I always eat what I'm fed? Now, my mom raised five boys uh, on $100 a month. That's what we had come in. My dad left us when I was somewhere around 11 years old, and I was the oldest boy. And uh, my mom had to get out and go to work. And women didn't go to work. There was no jobs for women. I watched her iron white shirts for this one particular man. And uh, be very few here tonight that knows what it's like to make your own starch. It doesn't come in a spray can then. But they took a wash pot and they mixed it up. And I, I don't even know what the ingredients was. But you would wash your shirts on a scrub board. Then you would dip those shirts in that starch. You would wring it out, hang it on a line, and let it dry. And then my mom had a Coke bottle with some, if I remember right, maybe some pine needles stuck in it to make a 
uh, a shaker. And she would wet, dampen that shirt with that bottle and then roll them up and keep them covered where they wouldn't dry out. And with the old wood iron, summer and winter, she ironed those shirts until I saw a callus in her hand that I've never saw in a man before. She washed and she ironed and she uh, fixed those shirts for 10 cents apiece. We didn't know what it was like. We wasn't allowed to go through the kitchen between meals. You didn't dare go open a closet or a cabinet uh, for a snack. It just wasn't there. I never, I never saw a menu in our home. My mom just fixed what she uh, had to fix and called us around the table. If we ever rolled our nose up, she'd say, that's fine, son. Just get out and go play. It'll taste good in four hours. That's the difference between a good meal and a bad one is four hours. Praise God. We have come to the place if we're not careful in the apostolic ranks, that we have become, instead of an apostolic church, a smorgasbord church. I come and I pick what I want, and I pick what I want to do, and I pick what I don't want to do, and it's all in the name of religion and having the power thereof. Israel was blessed of the Lord as long as they held the laws of the Lord. And they held them close and they held them precious to their heart. This message is precious. Those people in Africa tonight would give probably some of them their lives to be able to hear this message. Some of them, I'm sure, without knowing the story, has traveled days upon days with meager food to get just to hear a preacher say that there's one God and his name is Jesus. Just to be able to say you should consecrate your life to the Lord and live holy. Oh, praise the Lord. We've heard it so many times until it rings like the train going down the track. And you've heard it so much till you sleep right through it and you don't know what it's all about. This message is precious. This message should be held close to our spirit. We should not allow anything or anybody to disgrace this message. My mama, my daddy, my brothers, my sisters is not allowed to run down this message. Well, hallelujah. They had nothing to fear for God was their provider. I don't want to go back and bore you with a lot of things that happened, but... Uh, there wasn't too many years ago that there was a religion or a doctrine 
that it was a sin to go to a doctor. It was a strong movement in the apostolic church. They believed God for their healing. Oh, praise the Lord. Very few of them died prematurely. A lot of things would happen. Uh, and, and they would just say, no, I'm going to trust God. And he always come through. I, I, food was not always plentiful. Many's been the preacher that I've heard tell the story that there was out of food in the house. Nothing left. The baby was crying. What are they going to do, Dad? Uh, Mom, I don't know. Nothing we can do but just go pray. God's the one that's in control. I don't know anything, any way to turn. If I, could, if I could get food for the family, I'd do it. But I've tried everything and it didn't work. Let's just go pray. And while they were kneeling and praying, a lot of times they would hear a knock on the front door. And either somebody would be standing there and say, I just felt led to bring this to you today. Or else there would be a box of groceries and nobody there. God was a provider. Israel learned early on that if they would just walk after God, that he would provide for them. I have to confess to you tonight, it's discouraging to me to read parts of the Old Testament the kings and along in there when the king rose up and it says, and he feared the Lord and did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. He tore down the tabernacles and he tore down uh, uh, the things that was against God. And, uh, and then he passed on in the next one and he feared not God and did that which was evil. Oh, church, if we can understand, you don't have a need that God can't take care of. You don't have a problem that he don't have an answer for. Oh, hallelujah. But there's a price to pay, and that is to crucify my flesh and keep my flesh under submission that the spirit and the love of God can work in my heart. Oh, hallelujah. I said, keep my heart right. Keep my spirit right. Keep my motive right. Keep my attitude right. God's not going to dwell in an unclean temple, but oh, he gets pleasure when his people will lift their hands in honesty and give praise to him. Praise God. Job chapter 2 and verse 10, and also all that generation was gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. 
I think it was last year, <clears throat> Heritage, Colorado Springs, they asked all of the speakers was 70 years and above. And they asked them to just talk to the young people about what they're missing. I wasn't able to be there, but my granddaughter told me, she said, Granddaddy, I'd quit my job to go to that meeting. I, that's how much it means to me. I want to hear what I'm missing. Oh, you've got one of the greatest pastors that I know of in the country. You've got no excuse. You get a square meal every time you come to church. He taught a couple of nights for us recently, and I've never, I've never heard it brought out like he brought out baptism in Jesus' name and one God. You're so blessed. You're so blessed. But I, I again, I, I'm trying to help you to understand. You're blessed, but you don't know what you're missing. You understand what it's like, but you really don't understand what it could be like if. Elder T.C. Montgomery, one of our old pioneers, in the south, he was the Mississippi area for the most part, but he was preaching a revival one, one time, and uh, there's community got stirred up because he was preaching against sin. He was preaching against ungodly living, and there was a group of men that got mad, and uh, they threatened him, and uh, <clears throat> I don't know why they did it in the south, they did it when I was a young man. We had altars in the church, but on Sunday afternoon, a group of men would get together and we'd go out in the woods, uh, way out in the woods and uh, find us a place to pray, and it may be uh, an acre or more that there would be 10 or 12 men just find a, a tree that looked comfortable or, or whatever, and there we would pray. You could hear... Uh, ringing through those woods, uh, men getting a hold to God. Well, these men got mad at the preacher. And he had gone down in the woods and was kneeling across the log, praying for that service that night. And these men come to him and said, uh, Montgomery, uh, we want you out of town by sunup. You close this revival out and get out of town. And he just looked at them and said, nothing doing. One of them broke out a bull whip and started whipping Elder Montgomery. He never got off of his knees. He knelt there. And when they put him in the ground, when he passed from this life, he still had the scars on his back from that whip. But there was something in his heart that said, if that's what it takes, I'm still going to preach this gospel. If that's what it takes, I'm still going to pray my prayer time. 
I'm not going to get so involved in making bricks for Pharaoh that I don't have time to keep a prayer life. I'm not going to get so involved in making money that's fixing to collapse. You think you got it made, but you're going to wake up one morning not too far in the future, and it's not going to be worth the paper that it's printed on. My pastor went to Brazil in the 60s, and when he came back, he said uh, when they would go to the store to buy a loaf of bread, they would carry their money in a wheelbarrow to buy a loaf of bread. And they used their money to paper their walls as wallpaper for insulation. It was worth more for insulation than it was for value. Somebody somewhere is going to catch a hold of what I'm talking about. Something's going to change, and church is not going to be what it used to be. This is burning in my spirit. I wished I had a platform. I wished I had a pulpit to stand behind every night of the week if my body would, would hold up to it and try to get a people to wake up and to understand how privileges are sliding through our fingers. Another generation rose up, one that chose not to know God. They never knew God in His glory. Praise God. They never saw his power. They never saw miracles. They never knew what it was like. When's the last time you saw somebody so drunk in the Holy Ghost till they had to be carried home? When's the last time you saw somebody slain in the spirit where they couldn't even walk? And you didn't know if they was dead or alive laying slain in the spirit. It's so rare till if it happened in some of our churches, they would call 911. Oh, praise God. I'm telling you, there's a dimension, church, that we need to start striving after to get a part of and to move up into. There's a generation of of Pentecostals today that's got music. We've got better music than we've ever had. When I was a young man, there was, uh, to my memory, uh, five or six that we called them camp meeting speakers. They preached all the camp meetings. Uh, they just traveled. I mean, they were, uh, they were powerful preachers. Uh, but uh, uh, the, for lack of a better word, the little man was just a little preacher. But these were because they had the ability to turn a crowd. But today, we've got young men 16 and 17 years old that can put a congregation on their feet 
You may not remember for 10 minutes after the service is over what they said. You may not know how they live when they leave the building. You may not know what they talk about in the music that they listen to when they're not in church. There's a generation that has learned how to clap their hands. I'm going to go a step further tonight. There's a generation that's learned how to speak in a tongue. I recently preached in a church, and the pastor, we were talking, and he said, he's a very very wise man, walks in the Holy Ghost. And he said, a woman come in their service one night. Now, this little church is in the woods. I'm not talking about uh, secluded like maybe even this church is. This church is in the woods. You drive for, I think it was 11 or 12 miles from the city where we had to stay in a motel, and you're driving down a little two-lane road with tall pines on both sides, and all of a sudden you come in a clearing, and there's a church. I didn't see another house. But they come out of those woods, and uh, uh, when they come time for church, but he said this lady came in and uh, during their prayer time and knelt at the altar and immediately started speaking in tongues. And uh, he, he, he observed her for a few minutes and finally he went over and uh, put his hand on her shoulder and he said, Ma'am, if you really want deliverance and if you really want help, We'll help you. But me and you both know you're a phony. And from her knees, she turned her head and looked up and smiled. And she said, I've been to every Pentecostal church in the city. And not a one of them has told me this. But you go to their services and they have what we call high church. We're dealing with spirits today that you never, you never dream of. And if we're not careful, we can get so caught up in just coming to church and just living the life of a Pentecostal or an apostolic and be proud of it and you should be but, oh, the enemy is infiltrating. Yeah, they're infiltrating. They're coming in uh, slowly. They're working their way in just like uh, uh, happened to our nation. And the first thing you know, they're going to stand up and say, we want to be a part of this too. And if we can't be a part of this, well, consequences is going to take place. But all to walk in the Spirit and to be able to know that God is on our side. I'm telling you, he says, if you just will, I will. This is not unattainable. This is not uh, something that we can't get. Uh, I appreciate your worship and I appreciate uh, 
uh, what I see and what I feel when I come here. I'm not feeling no bad spirits. I'm just simply saying there's another dimension that we need to be striving to get into. We need to be striving to get into. When is the last time a group of men just come to the church without a prayer time set and spend the night praying? We used to have all night prayer meetings. Oh, hallelujah. Something, this can't be delegated or relegated. Something's got to get in my spirit that says I want a hunger. I'm dying for a hunger because, God, I know when I get that dimension that you're going to be my God. I'm not going to have to worry about the world. I'm not going to have to worry about the world and its problems because I'm going to be walking on another plane. Let the church world go which way it wants to go. I know that this is not something new to you, but your pastor has established you well enough but when an individual or a church decides that they no longer want to walk in truth. I told Israel one time, he said, I'll give them the desires of their heart, but I sent leanness to their soul. Yeah, you can feel just enough tingled every once in a while, but... Oh, men, when's the last time your family's seen you come around this altar and weep? I'm not saying you've got to wail all the time when you pray, but when's the last time there was a prayer meeting among our men that their children could see what they prayed themselves hoarse, got drunk in the spirit, slain in the spirit and God done marvelous things in their midst. Oh, there's a dimension and we're going to need it when the heat comes on. Well, praise God. Psalmist David said, Psalm 51 and 10, create in me. This is part of the prayer that David prayed after that he had been exposed in a case of adultery. He went to God. When the prophet come to him and pointed his bony finger in his face, he said, you're the man I'm talking to. David was the king. He had the authority to have the prophet put to death. Or put in a dungeon. But instead he says, oh my God. Oh my God. We're living in a generation that it's always somebody else's fault. So-and-so had done so-and-so, I wouldn't have done what I did. There's an old chorus we used to sing. It's not my mother. It's not my father. 
not my sister, not my brother, but it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. When I do wrong, it's my responsibility. And the king says, create in me a clean heart. Create means it takes a time. If you would have known the night you got the Holy Ghost, what you was going to face along the way and what you was going to have to pick up and put down. In all probability, you'd have turned around and walked out. But by coming to the house of God and little by little, little by little, little by little, the Lord has created a heart in you that desires to be pure. Create in me, oh God, a clean heart. Then, in, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Now that right there is another Bible study. A right spirit. I know churches where people come to church and shout but yet won't speak to each other. That should never be in an apostolic church. If I see my brother struggling, I should gather around him and say, I want you to know I'm here for your support. Thank you, Jesus. I'm here to help you. Create in me, God, a right spirit. Oh, they're just getting what they deserve. They may be, but when your turn comes, it'll be a different song. God requires a clean heart in order to enjoy his blessings. He always has, and he still requires it tonight. Oh, praise the Lord. There's a group that's pulling away, but God's going to have a church. I said he's not coming back after a sick, weak, anemic church. He's raising a church up right now in Africa to take the place of some of these that want the world instead of righteousness. Oh, yeah, yeah. God deals not lightly with change when he has set the bar and the standards. Malachi 3 and 6, for I am the Lord, I change not. Now, if that's true, where's all this change coming from? Who give men the permission or the authority to change things and say, we're not doing this anymore? We're not preaching against sin. When your man of God gets up here and turns red in the face and starts laying things out, some of you act like I don't know what I'm talking about. But I can promise you he can do it. I never heard him do it. But I wouldn't want to be the recipient when he's dishing it out. Instead of getting your feathers ruffled, 
I used to tell our church, if you can shout and turn it on and off like a water faucet, sit in your seat while the music is playing and the beat's just right. And when the preacher starts coming down your row, get out in the aisle and shout. And you got the goods. Oh, praise the Lord. We're all guilty. When the man of God starts coming down our row, we want to hang our head because we know we're guilty and we're ashamed. But oh, we ought to jump to our feet. We ought to jump to our feet, throw our hands in the air as loud as we can scream. Preach to me, Pastor. Thank you for preaching to me, Pastor. Well, what will people think about me? They'll probably respect you, and somebody else will jump to their feet and say, Pastor, preach to me. Oh, praise the Lord. I don't want to get off sidetracked right now. But you need to be sensitive to your pastor and his wife. You need to observe them close enough till you can tell when they're fighting battles. Oh, yeah. I watch my, my man of God come out of his office, hold on to the door, get to the next wall and hold on to the frame till he could get to the pulpit and get a hold to it for stability. He was so sick and would preach a masterpiece and go stumbling back to his office. Some folks get a hangnail and they can't come to church for a week. There's more miracles takes place on a Sunday evening from 6 till 6 the next morning than any other time of the week. Chew on that. I'm too sick to go to church, but I'm scared of Pharaoh. Oh, praise the Lord. You need to be so sensitive to your man of God and his wife when you see them struggling. You don't necessarily have to go to them, but send them a text message. I'm praying for you today. I'm praying for you today. Find yourself a, a, one of the nicest cards you can buy and uh, handwrite in there how much they mean to you. We do that on anniversary time, but what about when you see they're fighting for their life? I woke up just a few weeks ago, and a preacher friend, uh, it just popped in my mind, and before I knew what I was doing, I was on my phone, and I'm not one to do this on a regular basis, but it was, I don't, before, I didn't realize I was doing it, and I said, I prayed for you this morning. He texts me back, and he said, Elder, please keep on praying. I'm in a fight.
for my life. And I don't know which way to turn. I don't know what else to do. Please don't let me down now. I'm talking about walking in the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about letting the Holy Ghost get a hold to us and let your man of God know that he's the most precious thing in your life. If he's not, oh, Lord, this is awful. If he's not, you're a fool. He's the most precious thing in your life. And a lot of times, not taking anything away from the ministry, but he's what he is because of the wife that stands beside him and gives him support when nobody knows what they're going through. Let this generation, this new generation, go the way they want to. But I don't intend, intend to start changing. I don't intend to start moving landmarks. I don't intend to start moving things around for my benefit, for my pleasure. Don't change it. Leave it where it is. Don't move it. Just leave it like God put it. Oh, praise God. Oh, praise the Lord. I'm not through, but I feel like I feel like it's time to stop. Praise God. I'm going to challenge somebody tonight. The music will come. I'm going to challenge somebody. Get hold of this truth like you haven't had before. Pull it close to your heart. And don't let this generation distract you. You just get disgruntled with this good man of God. The only hope you got is to go down because you ain't going to find no better. Every city has a dump. And there's a generation that said, come on over. You're welcome. Oh, but the man that stands up and says, I was wrong, Pastor. Learn this truth. And then learn to love it. Get it down in your heart. And then live it. The glory days still belong to the church. But all God's waiting for is the people that'll wake up. The people that'll shake themselves. Say, hey, there's more for me. I want it. Now, if you're satisfied where you're at, you can stay right there because he will never force you. But I'm telling you, there's a dimension. There's a dimension that I can go in, and I'm, I'm hungry for it. 
I told Pastor the other day, I said, I'm hungry to see what I've been looking to see for years. I want to see it happen. We've recently had people get healings, miracles, sitting in their pew during preaching. And that's what the apostolic church is about. We've had people getting the Holy Ghost sitting in their seats. That's what the apostolic church is about. It's not Bible to wrestle people around the altars. But when God's people gets loose, the altars also will be loose. I said when God's people get loose, the altars will also be loose. Oh, hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. I don't know how you normally end a Bible study night. But we have become so programmed until we come, somebody comes around the altar. We can't leave until they're up. And I'm not saying don't forsake people. But I've seen church over, people gone home, and others still in the altar and stay there for hours because they're getting something from God. Let's get out of this program. Dads, I'm challenging you. Show your children what a joy it is to live for God. They're going to cry bitter tears when they get old enough to go to the world and you need to start begging them to live for God and they laugh at you. You'll cry then. It's a whole lot better to cry now. How about it? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. How about it?